James, you saw, he died. <laughs> we came, you saw, he died. <laughs> Look, you saw, he died. <laughs> But we have, we have an important show. We're going to talk about Charlestown. Charles, Char, Charles, not Charlestown. Charlottesville. 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 And, and home of? Home of the Robert E. Lee, Robert e. Lee statue. Could that be it? Could that be it? Home of Thomas Jefferson. He's, he's originally from Charlottesville? invented the University of Virginia, which is in Charlottesville. Interesting. That's why it's a really big thing. Did not know that. Did not know that. So, well, you know, so so let's back up a little bit. So what ended up happening uh, this weekend, and if you go all the way back to last week, um, and I forget if we talked about it on our last podcast, maybe towards the end we said, there's a big event coming up in Charlottesville. Um, Terry McAuliffe, the Virginia governor, had very clearly said, folks, you don't want to go there this weekend. It's just going to be a bad scene. And why is that? Because they took down some Robert E. Lee statues. And the Unite the Right march, which got a permit to march there, uh, insisted on being there to protest the removal of those statues. Now, in that group, Unite the Right, is a consolidation of, you know, white nationalists, white supremacists, perhaps neo-Nazis, but we actually didn't see any neo-Nazis on television or anything. It's a bunch of, like, cuckish-looking uh, doughboys from the alt-right um, who wear funny outfits and they bring shields that they make with these funny logos on them. And they went to this protest to just cause trouble. Uh, the police department during the week threatened to walk. In, uh, in other words, they threatened to not even attend the event. Why? Uh, because they did not want to support these alt-right people. The police didn't? The police didn't want to. They, uh, they almost walked off the job midweek. And it was eventually negotiated that they would stay. So, I, thought the police, I thought the police were support, supposed to support the Constitution. They're supposed to support the Constitution. So if you have a rally that you get a permit for, uh, right to assemble, you get a permit, you go through the natural process, you're supposed to receive security and coverage and protection. No, ma no which matter Which is what they had. Which is what they had. And... Uh, what ended up happening is it became a big counter-protest as well. So, predictably, the Antifa crowd was there. Some well-meaning protesters that were peaceful were there. But you, anytime you have those three groups getting together, it's not going to end well. So, ultimately, what happened was that 
eventually the police security apparatus broke up and the people were then spat into, the people in the alt-right were then spat into the area of the Antifa counter-protesters. In so doing, some cars made their way through. Um, and from there, we then see the infamous video of the Dodge Charger going into the crowd, hitting the car in front of him, uh, and then about 20 people getting injured, hurled in the air, all that stuff. Ooh, horrible. Horrible. Horrible stuff. Um, so a lot of people have seen the Faith Goldie video from the side view of the car just ramming the car in front of it. Bodies flying everywhere. One person's dead. 19 plus injured. Horrible. Just horrible stuff. So naturally, the thrust of media coverage for the last two days has been... This is atypical of the Trump movement. Trump's responsible for this. Uh, Trump's people are neo-Nazis. It's almost the other side of the coin whenever something BLM-related would happen during the Obama years. So people that are just looking to score political points, who which I don't think, Steve, you and I were not part of that crowd. It was kind of like, okay, I get Obama likes division, but I don't think he wants cops getting shot, any of that shit. So... You know, naturally people looking to score political points would then say, hey, you know, why aren't you denouncing good enough? You didn't denounce this, that, and the other thing well enough. So now here we are under President Trump, and it's the same deal. Trump then comes out and he says, uh, we decry, we disavow, we condemn all of the parties involved. And the left said, that's not good enough. Not good enough. It's never good enough. So could, could a lot of this just be their revenge for Obama getting told not good enough, not good enough. That's why, that's why it's good. Whenever people are apologizing, disavowing and condemning, you just let that play out. You don't try to score political points. Don't try to compare yourself against other situations. If it's bad and it's common sense, you just kind of chalk it up to common sense and move on. Right? So that's kind of where we were. And now today Trump has come out and said, Again, he condemned it. Again, because you can never disavow enough when you're Donald Trump. Um, and then had to call it by name, just like Obama was asked to call terrorism by name. Um, and he's done that. So now everyone should be happy, but they're still not happy. Um, so based on that, here we are two days later, and there's all this chaos going on uh, about rhetoric and it's the same it's the same thing we always talk about right it's the same thing and, and so one of the things you pointed out there that i want to go back is you know they, they call it double speak in 1984 right and it's, it's really nuts when you know anybody that's paying attention whether you listen to our podcast watch the you know, uh, you know. At this point, you have to watch the alternative media because they're the only ones that will even report on it. But Antifa, the group known as Antifa Smash Fash, um, they are—they are one of the most uh, aggressive, and you know, some would label them a domestic terror organization. Uh, New Jersey right. has actually. New Jersey has already. It's obviously my opinion because I'm giving it, but my opinion is backed up by many, many of video evidence just over the past six months. 
you know, from places like Portland, Oregon to Berkeley, California, you know, all kinds of different examples of what I'm talking about. And, you know, the whole blowback, one of the things that I, that I, I catch in the mainstream media from everywhere from CNN to MSNBC is somehow they're labeled as counter-protesters. Yeah. Right? Like, okay, listen, let's all be fair. And I think that I can understand where Trump's coming from when, you know, it's like, geez, guys, like another thing you just mentioned, he condemned the violence. He condemned it. Of course he's not a, he's not a Nazi. Of course he's not a Nazi supporter. It, like, goes without saying, of course that stuff's awful. You know what I mean? And But what's what it was is it was a lot of people with hate in their hearts coming together and clashing with another group of people with hate in their hearts. Exactly. Exactly. It's plain and simple. But, you know, if the media is doing their job, let's call it what it is, because if anything what that's going to do, if they just do their jobs and call it what it is, it's going to make it not such a big deal, right? Because normal thinking people are going to go, oh, two groups of people got together in a town and they had hate in their hearts and they ended up fighting and someone died. Not surprising. Move yep. along here. Yep. Right? Yep. But they can't have that, right? They have to have division. So in order to do that, you have to have propaganda, and that propaganda, as we're seeing that directly, is calling people in a group like Antifa counter-protesters in this whole situation right. is just crude and absurd. Right. But that's how it works. So downplay Antifa, uh, you know, ex uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Make... Make the alt-right as bad as they are and the neo-Nazis. Which, again, we keep saying neo-Nazis, but it's really just, like, white nationalist cucks with beards and parted hair. They all look like Julian Edelman. They're doughy. They don't have jobs, just like the Antifa people don't have jobs. They're just down on their luck, too, and they're social outcasts. So it's all two sides of the same coin. They all have hate in their heart. Um, they don't have constructive solutions for what to do. But they're less than 2% of the electorate. And what does the media do? They try to, to paint with the broadest brush imaginable. This is every Trump supporter. This is the stuff that Donald Trump won on. If the alt-right never existed, Donald Trump would still be president. Because these people, right. these people in this movement of 4chan trolls and nationalists, uh, not even nationalists, regular nationalists, white nationalists, which has a different connotation, uh, white superiority, white supremacy. Those people are such a small fraction of a percent that Donald Trump still wins without them even existing. If their moms aborted them all, Donald Trump still wins. Uh, Let me ask you a question. I was thinking about this today, and this is maybe getting off a little bit off topic, but that's okay. So, so I am white, and I'm a nationalist. Right? Yep. I self-identify as a nationalist. I have nationalist pride yep. in my country. Yep. So am I a white nationalist? And if I'm, I'm clearly not, but like, if I'm not, like, how weird is this world where a white nationalist is not a white nationalist because of all what that means? It's, it's very confusing. That's, that's interesting because... I mean, the textbook definition of nationalism, just nationalism, without any any descriptor before it, is a patriotic feeling, uh, principles or, or efforts. An extreme form of this, 
especially marked by a feeling of superiority over other countries. So at worst, if you're a nationalist, you just think America is better than other countries. So by that definition, I'm a nationalist. Uh, I advocate political independence for a particular country. I want good trade practice. I want strong borders. Um, we'll let people in legally, but we're not going to let them take a shit on our, our constitution. And That's, we're going to make them conform to our values and cultures? Right, right. Exactly, it's assimilation. So those that's not a bad thing, Ross. That's, that sounds like such a horrible thing. That is all of that stuff is why I'm proud to be a regular nationalist in the strict definition of nationalist. Much like we say classical liberalism. The the the, the verbiage uh, of today wildly different than the intended definition. Now, if we go into what a white nationalist is, which I uh, I have uh, the definition in front of me right now. Well, that's what, you know, and that's why I bring it up, because it's very, it's very confusing, because, you know, if you just, you know, hey, read the Washington Post today, read the New York Times, you know, go on Facebook and watch a million stories in an SJW sharing virtue signaling, yep. right, about that, and the phrase that they use and that they're defining is white nationalist. Right, right. That's the phrase they're using, and yep. that's where someone like me, I find that interesting, Right. Again, just think of it because I try to just operate on the common sense. Right. Remember, I'm not intelligent that much. I don't have a college degree, so I can only have a certain level of thinking. Right. So to me, common sense is important. I don't know if it's that important to other people. So I point out very simply, I'm white and I'm a nationalist. So am I a white nationalist that I self-identify with or I, I mean, clearly I'm not all those things that they write about and define in, in their definitions that I'm reading about today. Right. So is it not as simple as that? And if it's not, like, why isn't it? Like, what's going on? See, I, that's the part I could get confused with because I'm not, as you know, I'm not a social justice warrior. I don't really view them in a high esteem. Um, I mean, to go back to your definition, a white nationalist is a type of national or pan-nationalism which holds the belief that white people are a race since which, okay, white people are erased, seek to develop and maintain a white national identity. White separatism and white supremacy are subgroups. I don't think either of us feel like that. Like, we don't feel like yeah, whites okay, so are... Like, can, I be, can I be white and proud of my country? And like you just described, right? Everything that you described earlier was exactly to a T what I'm proud of our country. Yes, I do think our country is better than everyone else. Yep. And I'll debate that left, right, and center with anybody from their country or... You know, and it can be very simple, and there's very specific reasons why I think those things, and I'm right. proud of that. Right, and, and you should be ashamed of yourself right? because so of it. It's, it's, I'm trying to figure this out. It's very interesting. I, you shouldn't be ashamed of yourself for believing that. So now, so what? But this is all. This is why I think it's all part of a higher scheme by the uh, Soros groups of the world, by these activist groups that like to sow discord. Because on paper, every president tries to bring together a nation in their words. In reality, division wins. I don't think uh, Trump wants division the way Bush had a us-versus-them division in the country, if you're pro-war or against war. Whereas Obama likes to bridge along multiple different... He, he liked to bridge among race, sex, you know, gender... 
uh, orientation, religion, class, all that stuff. I don't think Trump is sophisticated a candidate enough to have run on all that stuff. So now um, we're dealing with, okay, the media and all of the activist groups on the Democrat side have lost on the Russia issue. They've lost on getting Trump to be impeached. They've lost on beating him with policy. They've lost the House. They've lost the Senate. They've lost the Supreme Court. Uh, they're losing at the polls. You know, they're losing in terms of uh, opinion, popular opinion of just the Democrat Party. So the only thing they're left with is going back to their roots of sowing discord. And that's when you can create a big net for any of all and all of Trump supporters and just call them white nationalists, call them all alt-right, even though it's less than one, two percent. And let me point out something. Isn't it crazy as you're describing that, right? Because it's like this tactic, this is a strategy and then it's a tactic that they're clearly employing. It seems like they tried to do that before, like really recently. Hillary tried to do that, right? By yep. calling everybody deplorables or labeling everybody racist. And what happened in that instance, if we remember, is the Atlanta Falcons, a.k.a. the Democrats, had a 28-3 to lead heading into the fourth quarter, and they lost the Super Bowl to Donald Trump, i.e. the New England Patriots. That, exactly. Damn right? straight. Like, what? Why this time around do they have such short short memories and small brains and think that, oh, well, this, you know, what's the definition of crazy, right? Doing something again and thinking it's going to be a different outcome right. than what you did it before. Right, right. Over and over. You right? know, so, like, why is this going to be any different? Because it's, it's, it's not going to be different because there's, A, the memory of a goldfish is, a, is an American thing, not just a left thing. It's a right thing as well. We just have bad memories. You and I don't. But in general, people have bad memories. Uh, also, the fact that they, I don't know what focus groups they're doing, but every poll, every number that they look at to gauge their acceptability and approval is off. It's way off. Um, and, you know, Hillary quantified deplorable. She said half of them are in a stereotyped category of deplorable, irredeemable. Well, if, if 64 million rounded, voter for Trump, that's 32 million Americans that she thinks are deplorable racist Islamophobes. And a lot of the people that voted for her likely had that same metric in their head that half of Trump supporters that they meet on a daily basis are racist scum. And that opinion has not left yet. That's still in their psyche and it's not going away. And they're not waking up to the fact that identity politics is a failing proposition. So they're going to continue doing this. They're going to continue with the white nationalism and all this other crap that they've been pushing down our throats about if you don't vote for, if you don't like my candidate, you're a Nazi, you're a racist, you're a xenophobe, you're a whatever phobe. And they don't get it. And we don't want them to wake up from that slumber because it just means they're going to keep losing. That's right. That's right. So, so that's kind of where why they're pumping this up. You you know when Steve Scalise was shot a month ago, they got they got some tightening in the butt cheeks, just like people on the right got tightening in the butt cheeks when this asshole ran into that crowd. Because you don't want, if you're a tribalist, you don't want your side looking stupid, right? And this is good bulletin board material. Anytime these type of things happen, 99.9999% of the people are like, oh, come on, man, why'd you do that, right? But... But for them, they were digging their heels in a month ago 
saying, hey, that's not us. That's not all of us. That's just a crazy person. Just like when a crazy extremist Muslim does something, that's just a crazy person. Um, or when Antifa does something stupid, that's just a crazy person. Uh, but when someone on the right does something, uh, it's indicative of the whole lot. When, you know, someone shoot like a white person shoots somebody, that's indicative of everyone with a gun and a Second Amendment right. Right? So they view these things very differently depending on whose tribe gets it gets victimized. So now they're trying to hype this. They have the media hyping it. They're going to keep talking about it. I saw rallies today where statues were pulled down and people celebrated. And, you know, it just it got me thinking. We were in D.C. this weekend and we went to Arlington National Cemetery. And I'm not quite a history buff, but I'm trying to learn as much as I can. Uh, my, my kids are big into history. And I didn't know that Robert E. Lee's house uh, was in Arlington National Cemetery at the top of the hill. And his family was a blue blood family, well off. And they gifted um, that farm to be the home for all of the dead soldiers. So the same Robert E. Lee that everyone's taking statues down. Um, and because, you know, they, they view him as indicative of the Confederacy and the South and racism and, you know, the Confederate flag and all that stuff. It occurred to me that his family has gifted a plot for every gravestone that is at Arlington National Cemetery. What are the next steps here? If you're going to demonize the existence of Robert E. Lee, do we now exhume every soldier that's buried there? Do we now take that house down? Where are you going with this? Where is this whole Confederate stuff that we thought was dead two years ago when Dylan Roof did his business? Um... Where are we going with this? What is your end game if you're on Antifa, if you're, you know, the protesting SJW and you're pulling down statues? Where does it all end? I don't think they have an end game in mind. They just want to cause as much trouble as possible. As do the as do the alt-right. They want to cause trouble. They don't have an end game. They just want to preserve whatever weird version of white supremacy that again, 99.99999% disagree with. So neither of them have an end game in mind. They just want carnage. They want anarchy. Um, I, I'm convinced that Richard Spencer is on CIA payroll, is a paid, controlled opposition that causes trouble. I think a lot of the SJWs are on CIA payroll. At the very least, they're on George Soros' payroll, whose job is to bankroll chaos for the left. That's right. I wouldn't be surprised. I think you could be right. So, you know... I don't know if you want to talk about like what what do you see happening next? Like what's your like I don't know. I think we're pretty good at calling what's going to happen. Do you see that? I see this as a pendulum going back and forth, baton passing of who can one up the other side, culminating in what we suspect may happen. God forbid to Donald Trump without saying it. Uh, where do you see this all going, Steve? I see nothing but negative things. You know, to be honest with you, you know, in the near future and into the the future future, you know, we talk about this with with other people in my family and stuff. And it's like, I just think all of these really dangerous precedents are being set by people with just like really over emotional. They're not really thinking it out that 
you know, hey, if, if I'm doing this, I'm not really thinking that this is setting a precedent that this could be done to me. Yep. Fair or unfair, right? And so all of these new precedents that we've never seen in our modern lifetime, at least, right? I can't speak to what, you know, happened in our history previous, but not in our modern lifetime have we seen this. And I just don't see it getting any better, right? I, I don't see... I see it going down towards more of a path of a, of a next civil war, you know, and I use that selectively, but I use that very carefully uh, in knowing 100% what that means. Yep. But yep. that's what I see, unfortunately. I don't have a, a, I don't have a, a pretty, I don't have a pretty picture to paint. I don't think it's going to end well. Um, you and I called it a, right after Scalise. I think we, we talked about what would happen next after that? And I, I took the approach that I think, since everyone hates news media right now, well-deserved. I mean, we don't want them to get hurt, but we hate them because they're not doing their job. Um, I think well, they are doing their job. They're just doing it for the wrong masters, and that's what we hate. Yeah, they're serving the wrong That's correct, correct. I thought someone was going to take out a journalist. I thought someone was going to do something where they cause harm, physical harm to a CNN no, personality. I'm sorry, I don't mean like right but like now remember think back to that either thought or that prediction and that's what lends even more credence to like what the media is even portraying both sides is crazy like no one's that crazy the only crazy that they're making is when they make it right they're conjuring this stuff up i use the word conjure because that's what it is. it's like a magician you know what i mean there's yep. no one saying that like i was thinking about this right Think of what these people are standing for and what they're quote unquote resisting and opposing, which led to this stuff, right? They're opposing this this ideology that they hate by countering it with hate in an ideology of trying to stamp it out. Yep. Yep. Tell me how that makes sense. It doesn't make sense. Tell me how that wins the hearts and minds. It doesn't. All it does is uh, scare people away from the opposition that doesn't know how to win anymore. When I thought, I thought Democrats would have control forever now, until Trump came around. Um, it allows them to implode. Never Trump Republicans aren't doing much. They're all losing. So, you know, if, if the goal is to knock, chip away enough people from Trump so that he doesn't get reelected... I can understand that, but what they're doing is not inviting. Like, they've had so many reboots of their strategy. They don't have any candidates coming down the pike. Uh, Liz Warren is one of their, you know, lead candidates in 2020, but her dislike... What's that? What? I, I don't know. I, I heard a noise. Um, her, her, her disapproval rating's pretty high. Not that Donald Trump's wasn't, and that Hillary's wasn't, but like... If you, you need a fresh, clean candidate that's going to captivate, and they're not doing it from within the Democrat Party, the Republicans aren't going to have anyone besides Pence to replace Trump. Um, it, the, the, the deck looks pretty bleak. The, the lineup, the farm system, there's no one coming down the pike. I think there's going to be a new wave of businessmen and pop culture personalities that run for president. Because celebrity boneheads. Celebrity boneheads like Kanye and... I love The Rock, um, but, you know, those type of people are going to run for office. Zuckerberg, 
who's going to have a problem on his hands because he's so into censorship. That'll kill his that'll kill his candidacy before it even gets off the ground. So I, I just don't see anyone that's got a message that is positive to take out Trump. It's all negative. It's my I'm less negative than you. Come be on my side. But the Democrats aren't doing anything to help their own cause. So what's the end game? We keep saying, what's the end game? I, what I think happens next, you're going to see a passing of the baton. So this time it was an asshole with a car crashing into protesters. I think next time you're going to see Antifa go too far and, you know, blow up a house with a kid in it, God forbid. Uh, maybe they crash a car into something. Maybe they shoot up a congressperson. Maybe they do a bomb threat somewhere. Um, and then what happens after that? Well, then someone on the alt-right is going to do something. And it's going to keep escalating and get uglier and uglier. And you watch each side's going to rock back on their heels. And they'll get defensive. And they'll start giving nuanced responses why what their person did wasn't bad as what another person did on the other side. They're going to get all tribal. They won't announce the behavior's bad. They'll just keep getting tribal because they all have skin in the game. And it never really resolves itself. It sounds horrible. It does sound horrible, but that's our future. That when we say Civil War 2.0, I mean we're not. I don't know necessarily. We're talking martial law, stuff in the streets, uh, but I do mean that friend turning on friend, family turning on family. You know, people yeah. people separating into pro Trump, anti Trump, pro Hillary, anti Hillary, <sighs> and it's not going to end well. It used to. Do, remember, go back three election cycles ago where it was George Bush versus John Kerry. And no matter what happened, at the end of the day, everyone was hugging each other. It's all good. Let's go out for drinks, blah, blah, blah. Now, it's, it's people's lives have been ruined. And, and I don't blame the candidates for that. Like, I blame people just being stupid. Like, if your self-importance is attached to a political candidate who at most is only going to do 70% of what you want them to do, then you're, you're a loser in my book. You're an absolute loser. So, so, so your takeaway is what? Your your exact prediction is that more chaos happens, right? Yeah, I don't see. I don't see this getting any better, right? Because it's always, you know, if it, listen, if if the Democrats do some stuff shady or whatnot, and they successfully get rid of Trump, I think you're going to see a revolution in this country. I think it's going to just devolve quickly. Um, from the way that the, the Democrats are acting, uh, I see that that's we're already there. Right? Yep. We're already downward spiraling, and they're taking us with them because of their emotion. They don't have any substance. Right. There's no substance there. Right. No Russian. There's no Russian thing. There's no. There's no Trump hate thing. There's only their hate, and it's being. And then there's double speak. There's then they're, you know, perpetuating onto the other side. Yep. You know what I mean? If, if you're if you're upset because you're telling me that a Nazi person is hateful and they did something stupid, oh geez, thank you for that information. Like, what the fuck? What do you expect? Right. That's why, again, in the free market of ideas here in a land called the United States, we've all been pretty much laughing at them since the end of World War II when they get together across the country because that's what we're allowed to do here in the U.S. That's what men and women die for. That's why it's our First Amendment. Even if you don't like it, even if you're offended. Exactly. 
And that's that's the hard part, I think, that people, people don't understand. To, people, people need to take that to heart. Even if you're offended and you don't like what they're saying, they have the right to say it here. And people die for that right. Right, right. So and again, just because you're offended, shut the fuck up. No one cares. Right, but... That needs to be the bumper sticker, Ross, right? Shut the fuck up. No one cares. Right, and I like it. I like it. But he, he, maybe this, this talks to another point. What do you think happens next when the alt-right or anyone even close to a pro-Trump group wants to organize a rally? For instance, Boston. Marty Walsh has already said and telegraphed, you're not welcome here. We don't want you here. Now, I get that neo-Nazis, white supremacists, white nationalists are assholes. They're pieces of shit. Um, we don't like them. Uh, but if they get a permit and they have a right to assemble, you gotta, like, I don't like when Satanists do their assemblies, but I'm not gonna go and stop them because they have a right to be there. Um, doesn't mean they're gonna take away my belief system. It just means they have a right to be there. So I have a right to just not be around them. Much the same, much the same, you know, what ended up happening the other day, Antifa did not have anything signed that they could organize a protest. The cops should have been protecting the assholes, as hard as that sounds, and forcing out the Antifa people and funneling them out in a different direction. They didn't do that. They kind of let that's them... How we know, that's how we know this was all planned. That's how I think... I think it was one of those things where they allowed it to happen. I mean... Of course they did. They just... Because if there's an incident, then you can use it as a as a talking point for the next time something comes up. So here we are on the 19th in Boston, there's another rally. Now, I don't know if it's the same Unite the Right rally. I know there was a free speech rally where a lot of quote-unquote alt-light personalities were going. Um, Cassandra Fairbanks and Gavin McInnes and Joe Is Big. Is that uh, rally against Google? Uh, no, that's a separate one altogether. But we're that, talk, but we have to figure out when that is to talk about that. We do, and there's going to be march across the country for that. But that, think of it in the same boat. These are people that the alt right actually hates. These are people that have planned peaceful rallies, rallies against violence before, um, and they're now going to be lumped in the category of the alt right. You watch. This is what we said the second, the second Hillary Clinton made that speech in October, where she said. Trump listens to people like Alex Jones, who has a dark heart, and he says Sandy Hook never happened, even though he kind of jumped all over the place with that. Um, she said, they're all part of something called the alt-right. She defined something that was kind of just reserved for 4chan trolls, like maybe 100, 400 people in the whole country. Yeah. What she did was she lumped a whole movement into that small box. Uh, and now what they're doing, media will then pick up that talking point, and they're doing exactly what we predicted almost a year ago, 10 months ago, where they see something bad happen, they find the culprit, and they try to make everyone in that opposition group part of that culprit bucket. And now you're going to start to see these March for Googles are going to be shut down. Uh, anything that Mike Cernovich goes through is going to be shut down. Anything Gavin McInnes or Cassandra Fairbanks those two will be shut down. I followed. You can see how all this stuff is tied together, right? So, yep. like, the first thing they had to do was they had to label them. Yep. And that was important, right? So the ADL and and all those people, right? Yep. They labeled the ADL labeled as part of that article they put out, which was challenged by every person that was on it except for the 
assholes that were at this 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 radio day. So all the alt light people are like, don't lump me with them. They're assholes. They're white nationalists. They're whatever. We're pro America. We are true nationalists, and don't lump us with them. We've actually have a track record of being peaceful. We don't call any of that rhetoric. Don't lump us with them. But the media will, and that's exactly what's going to happen because you know the queen, the queen spider. Hillary Clinton last year called it out and then she got to make the umbrella, the net, and she gets to throw everyone in that net that she wants. And the media runs along with it. That's exactly what's happening now. So you're going to start to see what normally is a right to organize, right to protest, as long as you get permits for it. You're going to start to see that erode for the right, erode for the MAGA people. And it's any, so any low information voter who sees anyone wearing a MAGA hat will start this whole punch a Nazi campaign. Remember that? Where you get to right, punch right. punch Richard Spencer. Okay, it's funny. Ha ha. He's an asshole. I get it. But punch a Nazi, that sounds great on paper. I would love if the, the 1940s Nazis were punched. Here's the thing. The definition of what the left calls a Nazi is a pretty low threshold. They call anybody and everybody a Nazi that disagrees with them. So if you disagree with someone and you call them a Nazi... That means you can punch them with impunity. And that's the part that they're going to they're gonna step over that line. It's going to be a slippery slope. It's going to snowball. And now you're going to start to go back into the violence that the left Antifa crowd is known for. They're going to return the favor to this asshole that ran over people the other day by doing the punch a Nazi, by doing the knockout game to anyone wearing a MAGA hat or popping, popping tires of anyone with a MAGA bumper sticker or a Trump-Pence bumper sticker. So that's why, you know, when you see bad things happen, it's the extremes of both parties doing it. And if you can just call it down the middle like that, you're fine, you're safe, you're not a tribalist. But you're seeing too many people in the media siding with one side when both extremes of each side are assholes. And that's why I know this is not a problem that's going to get fixed, because people don't want to get hip. They don't want to get hip. They don't want to get hip, Ross. What's up with that? I don't know. It's crazy. It's fucked up. So... That's kind of that's kind of the rub. So, I guess my predict my immediate prediction, you will start to see rallies that are peaceful by people that are peaceful who are respecting the alt-light community for breaking scoops of the win, you know, the White House inner circle and White House palace intrigue and here's what's going on at the CIA, the NSA, the FBI, the DHS ahead of time, they scoop mainstream news. They don't like the fact that there's an alternative news source for people on Twitter and on YouTube and on the internet. Mainstream media is going away. So the last death throes is they're going to be fighting against the alternative media. The best way to do it is to call them racist, xenophobe, sexist, neo-Nazis. It's the quickest way to discredit somebody other than calling them a rapist or a child molester. So the media can't get away with those last two, but they can get away with everything else. And that's exactly what they're doing as we speak, as we called it months ago, as you and I, Steve, saw it years ago. They're going to demonize the side that's out of power to keep them out of power. Um, and it's going to backfire in their face. But this is what they're doing. They're upping the ante. I hope it really does backfire right in their face, Ross. I think it will. I, I honestly think it will. Because they're not... like These people that are all freaking out about alt-knights, alt-right, whatever the hell they're called, they're all coastal elites. They're all people on California... New York City, Philly, D.C. 
they're coastal elites, uh, and there's the whole rest of the country. You look at you look at the uh, the districts and the counties that Trump won. You look at the map, the electoral map, and it's a sea of red in the center of the country, where all of these decisions for the swing states took place. Do you think that those people are happy with what he's done so far? I think they are. They broadly are. Yeah. So you think it's the mainstream media is lying about all the polls and all those things? I I disregard polls ever since 2016, and I will until they can get their act together. Like, I agree with you. Like I, I agree, Trump's poll numbers are down. I get it. I don't. I'm not gonna try to deny and play games. Maybe they're not though. That's what I, I think. That's that's what I'm saying. I, I don't. I don't believe any of those polls. I think he's doing a great job. Um, me personally, and I think that like a, a lot of other people recognize that too. Well, the people that. I, you know, you, I voted for Trump to do a list of policies. Give me those policies and I can deal with your, your gaffes, your misstatements, your politically incorrectness. I can deal with that shit as long as you do the policies. And he's doing the policies. That's right. Whereas if you're the left, you get to hyperventilate. You get to misallocate your energy and fight the wrong battles. And, you know, you and I were on different, different, different sides of the fence in 2012 and 2008. And I learned early on, I'm not going to like Obama. I'm not going to like a lot of what he does. I'm not going to wish harm on the guy. But, God, I'm going to have a heart attack and die if I, if I hyperventilate every time he has a speech or a State of the Union or he does a press conference. I can't be fighting every word that comes out of his mouth because he's cool, calm, collected. He's going to sound cool doing it. He's going to be a cool dude to have a beer with. So I'm going to have to use my energy and fight the guy in my own way by calling him out on policy mistakes. Right, exactly. So, whereas what's happening with Trump, every tweet, every press conference, every staffer, uh, every time he waves at the camera, every time he makes a face, every time one of his children does something, um, there's a reaction, there's hyperventilating, there's freakouts. Hey, God bless you if you want to do that. You're going to die a couple years earlier because you're shortening your life freaking out over everything. So be my friggin' guest. You got to learn to allocate your rage and just call him out on the policies. He's going to piss you off with the way he talks. Russ, preach. That is like, if everybody could just follow that credo right there, I think we would all be just way better off as a country together. Yep. Right? Because yeah. who's going to disagree with that? You know, I think if... if all those people actually just kind of quieted down and relaxed their emotion, their big emotions. They would see kind of that there are people like us that absolutely will call him out on his shit, right? Like if he's not doing what he's supposed to do, or if he strays off and does something that's like counterproductive, right? Yep. And they don't even give us the people like us the chance. We, we, they give they they attack everything, and so we're too busy defending all the crazy shit. And he does get some other crazy stuff in there that does probably and maybe does warn people like us saying something. But you know what? They're so loony and so nuts. I kind of just like it. I go, yeah, you know what? Great. I, I I'm gonna give him that pass. Yep. Because you guys are so unfair to him. You were actually making me feel bad for him. Right. And that's a tough thing to do, make people feel bad for Trump. That's right, and they're doing such a good job at it. They're doing a fantastic job of it. But that's that's true, though. So, like, you you actually have a good... I'm more emotional. I used to be more emotional. Now I'm kind of just, like, choosing my battles, not worth losing my... shortening my life over. 
you can kind of be more peaceful about it. You can see things from a common sense perspective. Like you're not going to hang on every word of somebody. You're not going to hang on every, you know, every leak, every press conference, every Sean Spicer, Sarah Huckabee Sanders presser where they don't answer a question the way you want them to. And they didn't use the right sentence structure to disavow something because that's wasted energy. That's wasted rage, right? That's right. And I think as people get older and realize it's not worth getting your blood pressure up over the way a president delivered a message after a terrorist attack or like an act of violence, like you have no control over what they say. Much like with sports, if God, if Chris Sale gets shelled and gives up seven runs and blows a 4-1 lead, nothing I do can control that. So do I throw the remote across the room like I did 15 years ago? Do I scream and shout and swear if, if, if uh, you know, Hanley Ramirez strikes out with the bases loaded? Is it worth it at 36 years old to do that? Act like a fucking adult. I mean, it's no different. That's why we call it sports, but it's no different than sports. If you're still getting animated and jazzed and stomach punched every time your team loses, you should probably get a life, right? That's right. If you're getting stomach punched because Hillary didn't win in November and she was a super flawed candidate as Trump was, you need to fucking get over it. Nothing you could do is going to bring her back, you know? So I, it just be smart about what you do. When bad things happen, like Saturday, you just say, yeah, oh, that's pretty shitty. I really, really hope the families are able to get the help they need and the people recover. Boom. You don't have to be partisan about it. You don't have to be tribalist. But then you got to move on. Because the chances are the next time, the shoe's going to be on the other foot. And the other That's side's right. going to be playing defense. But they don't get that. It's not that you and I are smarter than anyone else. It's just we, we just see things from a nonpartisan perspective. We're not plantation Democrats. We're not plantation Republicans. We hate both parties. And it's so freeing to have that feeling. So, that's my takeaway. Anything on your end? Yeah, I think uh, everybody just just best be prepared. Do we want to get into the de-escalation of North Korea as expected? Or do we want to save that for later on in the week? Because that's, that's changing by the hour. Yeah, I think we're going to have to have like a special one for that. Yeah. Because remember, remember a couple of days ago, people weren't happy with the way Donald Trump delivered his North Korea message. Like, they, they wordsmith, they hyperventilate, they hyperfocus um, on every single word coming out of his mouth. I mean, from the beginning of time, you know, uh, what's, the, what's the Teddy Roosevelt line? Talk softly, but carry a big stick? Walk softly, but carry a big Walk, speak softly to carry a big stick. Right. And and what does every president say when they're up against a foreign menace? They talk tough. They basically say in political terms, we're going to kick your ass if you act up. Don't do it. Right? So now Donald Trump basically does that, just like every other president before him. And they're like, well, I didn't like the way he used, you know, fire and fury. Well... He was really angry towards North Korea, and well, I didn't really like the fact that he targeted a timetable for when he's going to do something, and well, I'm kind of nervous that he's going to act and push the button, and you know, well, he's not giving them a chance to respond. Like they're over hyping something, they're hyperventilating over this, 
Like Obama was in this same situation two days before the Boston Marathon bombing. And I was actually with him. I'm like, dude, do what you got to do. You have the intel. You know better than we do if you need to do something in North Korea. Speak strong. I get it. Don't escalate things. Basically, Trump and Obama have been no different other than just verbiage because nothing's happening. Kim eventually just backs off because he gets scared. But I didn't hyperventilate when Obama gave press conferences about North Korea, nor should you hyperventilate when Donald Trump gives press conferences about North Korea. Because the same thing's going to happen. Nothing's going to happen. It's going to de-escalate. He's going to, I think Trump's going to talk that up till he's blue in the face and he's going to bomb them, this, that, and the other thing. And in the meantime, nothing's going to happen. Kim will get, he'll get cold feet. Um, and worst case, Trump sends in special ops in the back door to just take him out. There will be no nukes. He's not going to launch nukes. Guam will not be attacked. Uh, Trump will not attack North Korea. U.S. will not attack North Korea. South Korea will. Japan will. China will get favorable trade deals if they do it. So it'll de-escalate, trust me. Um, but if you're a hyperventilator who likes to scream about it and shorten your life by a week every time you have a, uh, a shouting match with your own TV set, be my guest. You're just wasting your time. So do, you, do you see a de-escalation in uh, North Korea? Um, I... I see a de-escalation. I think that we were talking about is right, and I think that this is what we've been we've been hoping and waiting for. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Trump brought it to the brink, had the tough words, knowing that the U.S. doesn't fuck around, and then he did the smart thing. He got China in and said, "Take care of business." And China stepped up and told them if they keep popping off North Korea, that is, that they'll let the U.S. do it what we want to do and what we said we're going to do, which is absolutely obliterate their entire existence off the face of the earth. And what have they done since then? They started to capitulate. Yep. Yep. And before you and I went on this call, let's, let's, yeah, let's yell at Trump. Let's yell at <laughs> Trump because we're not being here for years ago to fix this. Right. So right. And, and, and it's funny. It's funny you say that because there's a video surfacing from about, I want to say 15, 20 years ago where Trump talks about, I think it's towards the end of the Clinton's second term, where he talks about the fact that the United States is being stupid for delivering North Korea the ability to make nuclear weapons. And he said, it's so stupid what we're doing. Why is Madeleine Albright doing this? Uh, why is this happening? It's not going to end well. They're lying to you. They're going to take advantage of you. Pictures from 1994 of Kim Jong-il with Bill Clinton and his State Department. Um, in a picture after they gave the nukes again, uh, or the technology. Um, you know, breaking today, our friends, the Ukraine, the government we installed, has been listed as giving technology to North Korea to help speed up the process. So none of this is Trump's fault. This is all stuff that Obama, Bush, Clinton allowed to happen. This is not a Donald Trump. It's Donald Trump's problem to the extent that he has to fix it. But when people are getting angry about the way Donald Trump delivers a scary message to a doughboy in North Korea, it's the only way the guy knows how to speak. I mean, North Korea people need need power. They need they need people screaming at them. You can't use lawyer words to get through to Kim Jong Un. You gotta speak. You gotta speak in his terms, like a meathead. 
So, like you know, a meathead with a bad haircut. Like a meathead with a bat with a butt cut. Um, so that's kind of the rub with North Korea. So let CNN keep talking about it. Let Fox keep talk. Let, let the let the networks do what they're gonna do. But it's all theater. It's always been theater. And you just gotta get hip to the game and note that you're being chumped. Exit the two-party system. Come on board the sports ball train, and uh, you'll be shown the light. So. Blinded by Ross's light. Lit up like a douche. I think that's... Is that what your wife and kids say every morning? Lit up like a douche? No, you're, they're blinded by your light because you're like screaming at them like Alex Jones since the, every, since the beginning of every morning. Oh, of course. I'm screaming. I'm all gritty. as they're Before they're even out the door, I'm screaming at them. Do you blast Alex Jones to wake up every day? I, I should. I fall asleep with like Alex Jones on. So his voice puts me to bed. Um, but yeah, that's kind of blinded by the light, blinded by Ross screaming and Daddy screaming at everybody when he wakes up in the morning. Um, so yeah, so uh, I say we stop for tonight. We see where Charlottesville goes, but I think it's going to pretty much turn out exactly like you and I detailed tonight. How many white privilege uh, downloads do we have? Well, um, do you want me to stop recording so we can go over numbers? Yeah, I thought you were going to. All right. Thank you, folks. We'll talk to you Thursday.